Boy, that's uh, uh, come from far, from close, just to uh, come and hear the, hear the message of God's love and grace and just allowing me to serve you and wash your feet, you know, with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus. Let us just pray together. Father, I want to thank you that uh, you are a God that is kind and good and loving and caring and thank you, Father, that you have just your, um, your arms stretched out to us and that you embrace us with your very being. Uh, thank you that you see good in us, you smile over us, and you have always had place in your heart for us. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Uh, you know, the, um, when we look at uh, the, you know, just our history in church, especially in the Word of Faith, Charismatic Circles, Pentecostal Circles, we've had a certain concept about faith and what faith is. And I would like to talk a little bit about what faith is in the light of relationship, what faith is in the light of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, when we... Uh, I remember when I grew up uh, in, in the Gospel, or in the, you know, as a Christian, after I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, uh, in the beginning, I mean, I was just excited about the gospel. I went preaching and sharing the gospel and those kind of things. I never even thought of having faith. I was never even thinking, you know, do I have enough faith? Is my faith big enough? Or I should now try and get more faith. I never even thought of that. I, I just had a relationship with God. I was so happy that I got saved and uh, I believed, you know, that the Lord is good and I... My passion was to win people to the Lord and to know more about God. And I was reading the Bible and that's how I was continuing in my life. And then I got part of a, a, um, a certain a, a Christian group, you know, which was strongly influenced by the word of faith. Where, um, and what happened was all of a sudden I got taught on my lack of faith. And I started to get knowledge of um, I don't have enough faith and how much you know, how much more faith I could have. And if I had enough faith, I could do these things and those things. And signs, wonders and miracles was placed before me. And, um, you know, I would, I mean, I did see signs, wonders and miracles. It wasn't even that I didn't see them. I just walked in the abundance of, uh, of what was in my heart. But all of a sudden, I started to realize, you know, um, I got more and more into prosperity gospel. I got more into... Uh, bigger is better and those kind of things and and then you know I felt why why aren't these things happening you know there must be something wrong with my faith it was almost as if it was a um, uh, how can I say it it was man I need to focus more on faith I need to get my heart to the into the faith thing and I must grow my faith and I must and the way I would grow my faith was I mean, faith comes by hearing and hearing by reading the Bible. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I took the Bible and I would say, well, this is the Word of God. And uh, faith comes by it. And, you know, I would look at scriptures that would challenge my faith. And then I would take that verse and try and uh, quote that verse and um, get myself all worked up, you know, in faith. And, and then hope something will happen. That's really what it was, you know, just I hope something's going to happen, and we've worked out our faith, up our faith, and if something didn't happen, then what are we going to do? We're going to meditate more, we're going to confess more, we're going to speak more. 
And if you look from the outside, you know, it looks a bit crazy. Because, you know, all of a sudden, here's a guy, you know, he's, 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 he's claiming things, he's naming things, he's, he's, and you're asking, what are you doing? No, I'm walking by faith. Well, it surely looks as if you're doubting. You know, because, I mean, you're calling it all the time. It's like I said many times before, if I walk up and down here and I just, um, you know, and, I'm, and I go up and down in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus or whatever, and you ask me, what are you busy with? And then I tell you, I'm busy believing for my wife to be faithful to me. I mean, just uh, something wrong. You know, it, it means you're not really believing. Because if you really believed, you wouldn't have been busy with us. Isn't it? And when it comes to faith, uh, what has what has basically taken place is we've we've gone to a place where we don't live by the law, we don't live by the Ten Commandments, but now we live by faith. And how it basically works is almost as if you know we would be in in Israel in in uh, um, Egypt, and then you found this this Pharaoh, and he demanded all the laws. And now Pharaoh decided, well, we don't have to have all the laws anymore. Well, let's do away with the laws. But what we demand now is faith. So uh, and where, you, where you paid with works points, now you're going to pay with faith points. You know, uh, 10 points can get you an old car. And 15 points can get you a, a newer one. You know? 45 points can get you a German car. And 100 points can get you an Italian Lamborghini. You know, you just need to have enough faith points. Because God is moved by faith. That is how I thought, you know. Faith is was, was something God demanded. And what He said is, if you can persuade me to do something for you, then I'll do it. Persuade me. So if God was sitting in heaven and was saying, well, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to promise you something, then I'm going to hide. <laughs> and then, uh, you must, uh, I want to see how you out of nothing, just believe me. And if you believe and you have got, uh, you've got undivided faith. In other words, you never doubt. You, you live long enough. I mean, you've got faith and, and that faith stretches and stretches and stretches and bam, then I, if it's long enough, you know, and we, nobody knows when you've believed long enough to get the breakthrough. But if you've believed long enough, then it's going to happen. And that is what basic, I mean, it wasn't taught like that. But that is what is communicated to the subconscious mind. That is what is communicated to the heart of man. And we live out of our heart. You know, we, we had so many f weird things. It makes me think of this one guy, you know, he went to a church where they, they shake you a bit before you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, um, and he went there and uh, he went for a shaking. And well, and, and this is the, like the staunch South African farmer coming out of the Dutch Reformed Church. I mean, they're not into being shaken. I mean, if you shake... <laughs> the guy then it means you want to fight you know that's that's how it works so the guy came forward and and, and faith was this feeling we would have um, which is just supernatural uh, uh, almost a there's no reason behind it you just find there's a feeling of faith today 
and uh, he would come and, the, and, and he went for prayer and, and the guy came and he said to him, uh, he, uh, and he prayed for him for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and he shaked him a bit and he said to him, do you feel anything? He says, I know. And the guy prayed for him again and, and, and he shook him again. He says, do you feel anything? He says, I feel I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> you know, that's a kind of a... You know, it was like faith was this supernatural feeling that we that just got worked up somehow. And this faith was always directed towards stuff. You believe for a car, man. What are you believing God for? I remember one day somebody came to me, especially when, just when I got into the gospel things, I was so excited, winning souls. A guy said to me, what do you believe in God for? Nothing. I mean, I'm happy. I'm just busy here reaching people and stuff. No, but you, you shouldn't be of little faith. You must, you must put something out there that's bigger than you. If it's not bigger than you, it's not God. You know, now we're going to faith for that thing. You know, you're going to realize tonight that the word faith and the word for doesn't go together. Faith and in goes together. You don't faith forth stuff. You faith in someone. You believe in someone. I don't faith for my wife or my children to do anything. I just simply believe in them. That is all. And who they are will just manifest. That's the way it is. We've got an Abba Father that cannot help but provide. Amen. He cannot help himself. When he sees, he's done it again. You know, and he's scared for us. I remember there was time, you know, when I was walking in faith and I trusted the Lord for money. You know, you always trust God for money. Especially if you're an evangelist in the African continent somewhere. You know, you're always trusting God for money. And I was believing God for money and all those kind of things. And one day my wife came to me and she said to me, Listen, would you please stop that? You know, God has cared for you. And I was, because what would happen is I would have faith and I would believe the Lord and I would trust the Lord and all those kind of things. And then there would come some doubt to my heart. I was like, oh, you know, I'm actually scared and whatever. And then I would think I've now messed up. I mean, I've doubted just before the breakthrough. Isn't it? Man, just before the breakthrough. I mean, you always fail just before the breakthrough. If it was just one step, then the breakthrough would have taken place. Man. And um, she said to me, listen, Bertie, you've lived for 10 years in unbelief and God has provided for us. You know, why are you just not resting? You know, he's cared for you in the midst of all your unbelief for 10 years. Why is he going to change now? Yeah. You know what that did to me? Yeah. It set me free, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was the start of a big change in my life. Yeah. Glory to God. Thank God for my wife. <laughs> Amen. She just got, you know, one thing that I like about her, something can irritate her quickly. So when this unbelief thing and trying to please God and whatever was irritating her, but she said, stop that. <laughs> Don't do that. And glory to God for that. Because I realized in my unbelief, God has provided for me. And it did something great to my heart because whenever I felt unbelief, I felt, but God has already cared for me in my unbelief. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it is. He's always, you know, and, and, and she's got this thing, she said, you know, 
When something bad happens, he says, well, God has still not died. He's still alive. And, and there was just me with all my theological knowledge and all those kind of things. You know, I was doubting and whatever. And here was somebody that I'm married to that's just got a basic, simple relationship with God. She cannot quote all the verses. She just knows that God loves her and He's always going to care for us. She's not believing for anything. She's just resting in the quality of God's life. And that is who it is. And, and what it is. Glory to God. You know, and, and I, you know, when you, when you come from and you study Scripture, you can study Scripture from different platforms. You can do it from the platform of um, the, the law. In other words, I can take the salvation model and I can express it inside law terms. Which will be to a certain degree correct or I can explain the salvation model inside family terms you know where God is a father and we are his children and from that perspective we can define what sin is we can define what lost is and all those kind of things from the law perspective we can define what sin is and what lost is and what punishment is and what redemption would be and we can do exactly the same thing inside family terms now when we start to reason within family terms let me just give you a short example for those of you that maybe have never heard any of my messages. If my son gets kidnapped and he's lost, someone that's more powerful than him took a hold of him and by his own power and free will, he cannot set himself free. And he is in a place where that system can kill him. I'm not worried if he's brushed his teeth that morning. Or if he makes his bed. You know, brushing teeth and making bed all of a sudden is not a sin anymore. <laughs> because I am now relating to him on the, on the uh, foundation of this is a very valuable person who can lose his life. If I reason from the perspective of the guy who kidnapped him, then I would say whenever this child would make a noise or try and uh, uh, say that he's kidnapped, I would think, what a disobedient child. Because I told him to shut up, but he's not shut up. He's not keeping quiet. He's continuing to make a noise. And he's disobedient, and he qualifies for a good old slap. Because he's not obeying the law of the kidnapper. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And what Paul comes and does in Romans 7, he comes and he says, we were married to death and death was bearing its fruit in us through the law system so that we would bear, bring forth fruit unto death. And we couldn't get free from that by our own willpower. It is impossible. Now, when, we, when death is your husband, you know, he will, and, and, and he brings forth fruit, and fruit unto death is brought forth by the law. You know, the law will be there, rules and regulations would be there, disobedience would be there, sin would be there, and punishment would be there. But how would a father look at that situation? He would say, it is not right that my son even tries to have life by laws and rules and regulations. It is a sin. The definition of sin in the light of the father or in his mind, it is completely different to what sin would be in the light of the oppressor. So with that in mind, we need to redefine what sin is. 
and we need to redefine what faith is. Now, um, I want to just start off by talking about what, you know, the dynamics of faith. Why do we need to have faith? Because, I mean, think of it this way. Could Jesus not have come, just forgive everybody, and then, without us even believing in him, just save everybody and take them to heaven? Wouldn't that be so easy? Why faith? Why do we need faith? Or is that now a difficult question? I mean, we've, we, we, we could still understand the law. You know, the law, at least you need to qualify and you need to show and, and go to the next level and those kind of things and he wants to purify you. We, we can have all our reasons. But why faith? Why if God comes and he fulfills the law, takes away the sin of all man upon the cross, died for the sins of the world, then he comes and he says, well, you need to believe in me. And the way we've preached it is this way. Listen, you don't have to do all these laws. When we were under the law, if you disobey the law, I'm going to burn you in hell. Now, we've got it this way. If you don't believe in me, who are you not to believe in me? I mean, I'm God Almighty. If you don't believe in me, I'm going to burn you in hell. That's the same thing. Now, for those of you that think, is Berti a universalist and doesn't he believe in eternal uh, 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 condemnation and eternal death and those kind of things? I do believe in that. And I don't believe everybody shall be saved. So maybe there's some people here that believe that. I don't believe that. I just think we just need to re redefine certain things, like faith. I don't think faith is a prerequisite in the sense of it is a law that we need to obey. It's almost like God says, well, you couldn't get all the commandments right, so, but now you need to do this one thing. If you believe, then I'll do something for you. And now we've got the faith police out there called the angels. And what the angels does is they report to God. If faith is there, then God says, okay, qualified, give him the thing. If there's faith. If there's no faith, you can't do anything for him because he refused to believe in me. I won't tell you faith doesn't work like that. The dynamics of faith doesn't work like that. That is a law definition of faith. When we look at faith, we must look at relationship. We need to look at the relationship. You know, when my wife and I, when we, um, or let me put it this way, take, take your child. Why would you want your child to believe in you? Because only when your child believes and trusts you will your logic and will your truth have place in his heart. Only then. I mean, we're not saying you need to believe me and if you don't believe me, I'm going to make life difficult for you. It's not like that. It's very simple. If you don't believe in me, life will destroy you. It's not the father that's going to destroy. It is your, because you don't trust me, that now I, I cannot have access to your heart. I think my book, I use this example. Imagine somebody is happily married and then um, they're happily married for five years and then somebody comes and lies to the husband and tells the husband, listen man, I saw your wife with another guy. And he takes a picture and he's got some form of evidence there. Look at this picture. I saw her walking with another guy in the street or somewhere. It's my goodness, what is this? Now what will happen if the husband believes the lie? 
What will happen is all the goodness and doesn't matter how sincere the wife is, all her innocence and all her love for him will have no access to his heart because she's believed a lie. What it actually means is who she is cannot live in him because of a lie that is believed. But when the truth comes about who she is and what really happened and that it was a lie, what will take place? Then trust will be restored. And when trust is restored, the one can have access to the heart of the other one. Now what I'm saying, I, I want to use um, this example. You know, if you, um, if you hang out with somebody for long enough, and you love that person with all your heart, and they love you with all their heart, you will start to see that that person's mannerisms is born in you. And that way, that person's taste for music, that person's taste for so many things in this life starts to live in you. And it will, it, it will be, you partake of their life because you believe in each other. When you really believe in something, it, is, it shapes your life, it's got access to your heart and it can actually start to live in you. Now, the only way you can believe in someone is if he is trustworthy. If he's got equity of character, if the principles in his life are good and not weird. Otherwise you can't trust a person. To give you a good example, I almost forgot about that, I want to say this. And this is an unforgettable example, for those of you that have heard this, bear with me. You know, one day, um, years ago, I just started to travel, and I made a very big mistake. My, I asked my wife if she would pack my suitcase for me. Now that was not the mistake. The mistake was, when I came home, I complained about... This was not in the suitcase, and that was not in the suitcase, and that was not there, and how I struggled. And now for 20 years after that, I'm still packing my own suitcase. <laughs> you know, <laughs> guys, if, you, if you're not married yet, always just say thank you, you know, and just buy whatever you need, wherever you go. Right. <laughs> Don't complain. So, um, later on, I think it was last year, Oh, or earlier this year, I packed to go to US or Europe, I can't remember, and I was packing my stuff, and now at least what I want is, this is a day before I leave, and I'm going to leave her at home with the kids and whatever, at least come and sit in the bedroom there where I'm packing my stuff. You know, so, um, you know, and she was, she was taking long to do this. Now, I need to say this before we continue. We, when we just... So she said, uh, Bertie, won't you go and get us a movie, man? I said, okay. So I ran to the video store, and you know those old big videos? Those VHS, I got that thing. And I came home with a movie that I know she would like. And she said, what did you get? I said, I got such a good movie, man. What did you get? Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> now, <laughs> you know Dumb and Dumber? Hey, that's a good movie. The problem is my wife grew up in the state theater with a ballet and with those kind of things. So this Dumb and Dumber movie just didn't do it. So she said, man, I don't think this is a good movie. I said, I think this is a very good movie. I tell you, we're going to have fun. So she watched it for about four minutes. And she stood up and said, man, 
I mean, we were just newlyweds, you know, you fight about everything. So she said to me, listen, that's low class, man. That's low class. You can't watch that. I said, so, you know, I'm stubborn. I said to her, well, you can go and sit in the room while I enjoy the movie. So I'm enjoying the movie and whatever, and I didn't hear the end of that for uh, years. And, um, you know, about how bad Dumb Dumber is. Because whenever people would get, to get together, they would say, have you guys ever seen that movie Dumb Dumber? Yeah, and she would like just roll her eyes at me, you know. So, and uh, we would have a good laugh about it and everything. So I'm packing, you know, we were packing our stuff and, and everything. And I, I mean, I made that mistake with the packing and whatever. And I said to her, hey, come and help me. You know? She said, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there in a moment. I'll be there. And, um, and uh, she did something in the kitchen, you know, and I, I was packing. And then I, I, I went to the kitchen. She's not there. She's in the TV room. And um, I said to her, hey, man, uh, can't you just come and just sit there with me? She said, I'll be there now. I'll be there in a sec. You know, and I'm packing and... My gosh, I thought, this is not right. I'm leaving tomorrow. And she's sitting watching TV. And I went in there, and lo and behold, she's watching Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> laughing and enjoying Dumb and Dumber. So obviously I didn't forget. <clears throat> I said, uh, lovey, this is low class. You know, this is not, and then she just blushed and she laughed and we had a good laugh and whatever. She says, well, if you can't beat them, join them and whatever. But you know what took place over 20 years? I mean, when I would watch Dumb and Dumber, there's something inside me that finds that it's funny. To other people, it might not be funny. But to me, there's certain things there that's very funny. She would look at it and find no humor in it. Now, where would she get when would it become funny? The only way it can become funny for her is if who I am, my very being is born in her. So what she was doing when she was watching Dumb and Dumber and laughing is she was feeling how it feels to be me. I was living in her. That's what took place. And the only way it could take place is through loving her over years wherein her heart opened up for me and where my way of thinking became her logic to the point that I am so much born in her that she can feel how it feels what it feels like to be me and she could enjoy it and that I call the principle of faith when you trust someone who he is has got access to your heart and he can then actually start to live in you. But let me tell you, if I was always being critical towards her, always finding fault with her, if I was legalistic, um, if I would always look at her faults and all those kind of things, she would never have been able to trust me. And then she would never, I would never have had access to her heart. In the very same way, you know, last year I wasn't um, in, 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 in or, or earlier this year I was in the U.S. Whenever I go to a place, I would go and find where are the old buildings, beautiful architecture, all those kind of things. Why? Because who she is, is living in me. And I can feel what it feels like to have her thought, her logic, without her telling me 
what is beautiful without her telling me you know this is nice or that music is good or any of that without her telling anything I can come into a place where uh, something would be brand new to me and when I would look at something it would be beautiful to me where it previously maybe wouldn't have been and I would find her mind and her heart live in me and how to take place through years of her persuading my heart that she loves me that she cares for me that she's faithful towards me that she's got my best interest at heart and she would persuade me that her life is a good life that's how it takes place now with that in mind the reason why God wants you to believe in him is because only through your heart that's persuaded of who he is does he have access to you and only through that way will he be able to live in you not because God is stubborn but because you are having your being in God what that means is you're the God being you've got a mind a will intellect and all those kind of things for the, uh, uh, and, and God needs to satisfy all of those things in you in order to have access to your heart and the gospel message of Jesus Christ is what God has come to do to win the hearts of his people so the gospel does not demand faith the gospel supplies faith Amen. the law demands faith the law demands trust the law demands obedience the law demands all those kind of things what the gospel is all about it is God that has come to persuade our hearts and how he has come to win our hearts the gospel is God's action to win your heart back to a place where you can trust him with your life amen amen, amen. now let us just look at um, at the word faith in the Bible what does the word faith mean the word faith and I'm gonna read it from uh, from the Greek the word faith means to be um, persuaded to allow yourself to be persuaded to be induced to, to, to basically to be in the um, in the um, what's the right word in the state of being fully persuaded that is faith you know faith in God to have faith in God it means to be persuaded by God yeah. now to be at a place where you are persuaded you need someone to persuade you and God has come to persuade us if you have faith in someone if I have faith in my wife if I believe in my wife it means I am in the state where she has already now persuaded me and the way she would persuade me there are many things that needs to fall in place in order for me to be persuaded by her she needs to be friendly yeah. I'm not persuaded of your love if you're always fighting with me yeah. uh, she needs she doesn't need to be sin conscious my goodness if she's sin conscious all the time you're not gonna persuade me of your love yeah. no if you put a list on the uh, on the fridge with ten commandments that I need to obey otherwise you will not bless me or be good to me you're not gonna persuade me of your love do you think you're gonna persuade your child of his love 
of your love for him and he's going to come to a place where he fully trusts you if you tell him that unless he gives you 10% of his pocket money you will not bless him any further do you think you're going to win his heart do you think he's going to trust you no <laughs> no if you are a father that will look at every sin and will not go one sin unpunished do you think that you're going to win the heart of your child and that he will fully trust and believe you so that when he, he um, you know, did something wrong or something shameful that he will call you? He's not going to call you. You're going to be the last one to find out. <laughs> the neighborhood will know, but you're not going to know. Because why? He doesn't trust you to help him out of the situation. The only trust that he has is that you beat him. That's the trust you have. And that's what we've basically had in Christianity. So what faith is, faith is the condition, that's the right word, of being persuaded by someone else. So when the Bible says, have faith in God, you know, what does it mean? From a legalistic perspective, it is, I must now, out of thin air, just trust God. But if you go and read John chapter 6, they asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, what must we do to work the works of God? In other words, what must happen that everything that God wants to take place, that it will take place? What is the end goal of everything? And listen to the words carefully. Jesus answered and he said, this is God's work. Or this is the work of God. Or this is what God is busy doing. That you would believe in him whom he has sent. So what he's saying is, God's work is to persuade your heart to believe. So if you want to fulfill all the works of God, come to a place where you trust me. Because that's what I'm busy doing in the earth. I'm busy, I'm busy in the earth to persuade the hearts of man that God's promise of eternal life, God's kingdom, everything that he had in mind before the fall, that it's not changed. That God has not changed. That God is the same loving God that would give you the earth, that would give you the heavens, that promises you eternal life. The only one that changed in the fall of man was man's perception about God. And we could see the effect in man as man started to die. For he didn't trust God anymore. And God sat with this thing and he was saying, I've got the highest quality of life. I've got the best life there is. I've got eternal life. And my, these people don't trust me. I need to deal with them in a way that they can trust me again. I need to go and convince their hearts that I will be good to them and they can believe in me. Amen. Amen. Now the word faith like I said, is the condition where you have persuasion in your heart. It comes from a root word which means to persuade. So faith is the effect of a persuader or the effect that a persuader would have on your heart. So faith comes from somebody persuading you. It means, the root word means to persuade, to, in, to induce one by words to believe. So if you've got faith, it means that you have heard words that have induced belief in you. And that is what God has come to bring forth. He's come to bring forth words that man has never heard, ever heard 
about God that can bring man's heart to a place that he can actually trust God. And when I talk about trust God, it's not just trust for nothing. Trust God to conquer his sin for him and conquer his death for him to give him the kingdom and love him. So God had to do something that could convince a sinner that God loves him. Because I can tell you now, if you go out here in the street and you find somebody out there that is uh, um, living in the street, having a, a, a sexual immoral life, dealing with drugs and all those kind of things, the way you're going to win his heart, he, you know when he hears church, when he hears preacher, when he hears God, he's scared. Why? Because how is God going to treat me, a drug dealer? And what God had to do is He had to come and persuade man that to all sinners belongs eternal life. Now that might sound com completely contradictory to what we have heard, but please hear me out. So that if He can prove that all to all sinners, that all sinners can have access to eternal life and that God doesn't look at their sin, that God sees their value, if He could persuade them in a vivid powerful clear way then they would come and trust him and the moment you trust someone the same thing that happened between me and my wife as pertaining to dumb and dumber <laughs> happens to the one who believes the one that's been good to him his goodness is born in the one who's being persuaded to life and you find he also becomes good I hope you're hearing what I'm saying The gospel is not about how God came and sent Jesus and tried to see if we would have enough faith. The gospel is how God sent Jesus and made it possible for man to believe for the first time again. Because you cannot trust somebody that is conscious of your sins all the time. Why can you not trust him? Because you know your own inability. It's like trying to trust the just trust the laws of the country man you know you're gonna fail somewhere <laughs> if you see that I, I I mean I look at Peter whenever you see that traffic officer or you know Mike when I was with him on the farm with the buffaloes we drive when he sees that traffic officer he says is the belt on am I driving right because he doesn't trust that guy I mean that guy well he's a good guy and you'll trust him once you've got everything on and he's right, then you'll trust him. Yeah. But if there's a mistake, yeah. all of a sudden trust is killed yeah. by you breaking the law. Yeah. You cannot trust in the midst of your sin. Can you go to the, I mean, can you go, listen to this. Trust, if you have, if you have uh, stolen something from a shop, okay, and you've stolen it re repeatedly, and they're looking for you, can you think, well, I'm going to go to the police and I'm going to tell them, here I am, and trust them to help you to build a new house <laughs> and put new tires on your car and help you in life. Can you trust them for that? Nope. No. Why? Because, you, because of your sin. Your sin doesn't allow you to trust them. There might be a police officer that would say, well, you know, let's forget about all of this. How will you know? You will not know. Because the foundation is works. So in the law, 
That's why the Bible says the law is not of faith. In the law, you have no faith. You have no faith. Meaning, you're not just trusting God. You are trusting your works. I remember in the Word of Faith move that I was in, I had faith in my faith. I didn't have faith in God. I had faith that if I have faith, I faith in my faith. I didn't faith in God. Because the God that I believed in couldn't be trusted. So it means, one of the meanings here, to persuade. In other words, if I want somebody to have faith in me, what I need to do is, I need to induce the belief into his heart through words. I must have sweet talk with truth behind it. Okay? Another meaning here is to make friends, to win one's favor, to gain one's goodwill, to seek to win one, to strive to please one. Okay, so in order for God to bring forth faith in the hearts of man, he had to make friends with man. True faith only comes between true friends. That's the only way. There is no other way. It's only between two friends. And what did God come? He came to make friends with man. He came to make friends with man. I'm, unfortunately, I just didn't... Um, the word friend basically means to seek the better of another, to entertain another with good things you do towards him until you can win his favor. That's a friend. A friend is someone who wants to entertain another to the point that this guy, that you will win his favor. That's a friend. So God had to come and befriend the world in order for the world to believe. And that's exactly what, what God did. He even tried to show it in the Old Testament, but we were so blinded by the law that we couldn't see it. Where did God build His temple? In the middle of the Israeli camp amongst the Hebrew people right in the smack middle if you can read Exodus 34 you know Moses, Moses and God has got an encounter and then God shows himself as gracious and merciful and then Moses said to God God if who you are is true come and live amongst us a stiff necked people and come and pardon our sins and what did God do he gave him the instructions of the temple so that he could come and live amongst what, not Berti, but Moses said is a stiff-necked people. And he lived amongst a stiff-necked people. You know how stiff-necked Jews were? I'm not here on an anti-Jew thing. Listen, I come from Africa. I, I could care less about what they say about all these political correctness and those things. You know, I'm, I'm flying home soon. And then South Africa, we are not very much worried about polit political correctness. The truth of the matter is this, that the Jews, in the midst of, of 40 years, there were signs and wonders and all those kind of things. And what did God do? He still stayed amongst those people. What is God trying to communicate? That I'm a friend of these stiff-necked people. And what did Jesus come and do when he came to the earth? He came to the earth and something wonderful happened. I will talk about this in, the, in, in one of the next sessions, but I just want to quickly mention it. When Jesus was baptized, he was baptized with the baptism of the sinner. Okay? John's baptism was a re repentance baptism. You repent of your sins. 
So here Jesus comes and he's baptized with the baptism of a sinner. What does it signify? He's taking, he's identifying with sin. He's becoming, he's taking all the sin of the world upon him now. If you want to read in all detail, get the uh, uh, um, born from innocence there. He's taking all that sin. And what's the first thing that the sinless Lamb of God would think in his mind after he's taken the sin of the world on him? He would think, what's my dad going to say if he sees me like this? Isn't it? And what did the father say when he came out of the water? <laughs> this is my beloved son. And what was he doing? He was befriending man. So that man can trust him. So that that mutual birth thing that I talk about, that it can start to take place in the heart. Earlier this year I drove through, uh, I think it's, it's Branson, Missouri. That beautiful, where they've got all the shows and all those kind of things. So I, I preached at um, Connie Witter's place and then, she, then I said to her, listen man. No, I didn't, it, wasn't Connie, it was someone else's place. And I said, listen, where, uh, is there some nice place that I can drive through? When I, I was on my way to Tulsa, I think. I can't remember. Yeah, I think Tulsa. And um, he said, listen, you need to drive through Branson. Because it was like kind of on the way. It's beautiful, and I've got all these shows there, and everything. And, you know what, when I got there that evening, or that afternoon, I thought, I'm going to watch a show, and I got everything to watch the show. And I looked at all the shows that were there, and my wife loves these shows, you know. So, and as I was thinking of it, I thought, you know what, I'm not going to watch the show. Because I can never enjoy that show without her there. Because what is going to be beautiful is if, I can see the joy on her face when she watches it, but I, can, I am a co-owner of the very same joy because it's born in me over 20 years. And that's what makes it beautiful. Do you know that's why we take pictures everywhere we go? Because you actually want to share it with somebody that's not there because of that dynamic. And in the very same way, God wants to give birth to who he is through a loving relationship in us. And he needed a guy called Jesus to become a man so that we could see how he would treat a sinner. How he would be, how he would deal with a guy that, that is baptized with the baptism of the sinner and like the scapegoat, stand up out of that baptismal water, carrying the sin or fully identifying with the sin of the world. And what is God going to do? No lightning. No killing. Nothing. Nothing. The Spirit of God came upon him. And from that moment where Jesus Christ identified with all sin, that Spirit was upon him in a love relationship with the Father. And the Father was busy recreating man in Jesus unto a man that can never die and never sin. Showing us how he will deal with a sinner. Trying to win the heart of man. Do you see this humble God? You know, he did all of that. Hoping. He didn't have, even have the surety. Hoping that you would like him. He did all of that. Hoping. I hope they like me. It's like a guy that falls in love with a girl. And he does everything, man. 
I, I remember, you know, with your kids, you can tell them to bath. I've got three boys. Tell them to bath. You see, especially when they're primary school. No way. They don't bath, man. You need to force them. But when a girl comes, more she's got more the power of love has got is much more powerful than the power of threatening or anything like that she just smiles at him I mean that guy doesn't have a beard but he's shaving brother he is I mean it is it's under my my cologne is gone it's all on him you know and he, he is 12 why because love he, he wants to win her heart and he goes through all of that just hoping that she might like him and God comes and does the same in Jesus he's come to win our hearts so that we can have faith faith means to persuade to induce by words to believe to make friends to win one's favor to gain one's goodwill to win one over or striving to please one you know what God was doing in Christ it was him striving to please you Amen. Yep. Mm. no Bertie you are really trying to make God too good I'm sorry he is like that I can't lie I, I just can't lie he is like that what must I say Bible says God loved the world you know the word love in itself just the word love already talks about beholding beauty I mean how can you love something that is not beautiful love the word love as what we find faith faith is a, a, a persuasion on account of the goodness somebody shows towards you then you sort of trust him love is exactly the same thing even in a stronger way it is when you are excited in your mind in your will in your intellect by beauty that you behold if I say, man, I love that girl, the first thing you're going to say is, show me a picture. It's like, I want to see what's causing this guy to love that girl. Especially if you're a guy that can have any girl. Then she really needs to be something special. Isn't it? If you can have any girl, and I come, if I say, imagine I could have any girl, and I say to Peter, you know, Peter, I fell in love, man. Then he would say, Guy, you could have any girl. And you fell in love with this girl. She needs to be special. Show me a picture. I want to see. I want to meet her. Isn't it? Why? Because this, that person that you see won your heart to the point that you feel in love. Now, the Bible says God loves the world. Now, think of that. Just think of that. <laughs> You must be attractive to him. He doesn't say the church. He says the world. The difference between the world and the church is this. The world, their hearts has not been persuaded yet. But our hearts are persuaded. That's the difference. And since our hearts are persuaded of his love and his goodness, we find his love bearing, having an effect on us. And we find we've got love, we've got kindness, we've got goodness, we've got faithfulness. We find addiction fall of us. Why? Because he loved us. I want to tell you, I couldn't give my wife five lessons in how to like Dumb Dumber. 
It's not going to work. It needed the power of birth. That's the only way it's going to take place. No other way. So God has come to see. He's, if you want to if you want to have somebody to have faith in you, you need to strive to please that person. You need to seek to win him over. One of the meanings here in the Greek is to tranquilize. Come on. To tranquilize. The only way where we can actually come to a place of true faith is when we behold the love of God as so powerful that it tranquilizes our unbelief. Isn't it? Where that man of unbelief, where that man of, I, I, I can't believe, I fear, I want to have my ten steps to, to salvation and five steps to blessing, where all of that is tranquilized in the presence of love. That's what faith is. Now the Bible says, and I want to end off with this, it says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, that begs the question, what is the word of God? Because if the word of God is not a faith-inducing power that makes friends, that wins favor, that gains goodwill, that wins over, that pleases one, that, it, that can tranquilize you and bring persuasion in your heart, it is not the word of God. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Now, let's look at, and, and I will talk one of the evenings about this. Let's look at our salvation plan. The, the, the um, atonement plan that has been taught traditionally in church. The atonement plan was, the way I believed it for many years, was like this. God sat in heaven and he decided to make an earth. And after he made the earth, he had a beautiful garden in the earth. And then he loved the garden and needed a gardener. There's already a mistake there, you see. He loved the garden and needed gardeners. And then the gardener, if you wanted to live in the beautiful garden, because he loves the garden, he needs to obey. And if he doesn't obey, since God is a holy, righteous, and just God, the only just punishment for any disobedience is death. Think of that. Can you already trust? Does that produce trust? No. So I mean, I, the, 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 the truth about, and the true definition about what faith is, as something, as a trust in the heart, because of a God that has won your heart through something that's very beautiful, if that is what faith is, just the beginning of how we look at sin already disqualifies God to be one you can believe in and trust. And with that model, we actually came and then said, you know, this God is so good that he needs to punish someone. So he's going to take his own son and beat up on him. And after he's beaten up on him, then he'll feel good now. He'll feel better. He will feel well. Anger is satisfied. Now with that in mind, I want to tell you, the human subconscious mind has been, we, remember, we live and move and have our being in God. The human subconscious mind, the, 
is not the, or in other words, the human heart has been programmed by God in the, in, the, in the form of just creation, in how we are made, to never, ever trust such a person. If you need to slap a very hot hell onto that teaching to get people to obey commands. <laughs> Otherwise, they're not going to do it. Because there's no reason for doing it. I mean, you need them because the heart would say, this is already bad. And then you'll have to create in your doctrine something that's even worse. In order for them to at least drift towards the bad. I hope you hear what I'm saying. So we have to go and look at what is the atonement plan. How does atonement work? Finances. You know, sowing and reaping, giving, tithing, those kind of things. Listen guys, I, I'm not saying these things to cause an uproar in a church. The reason why I'm saying these things is so that people can actually come to belief. Come to true faith. Because you know what happens when true faith takes place in the hearts of people? Then there's love in the congregation. There's kindness. There is freedom. There's forgiveness. There is generosity. There is, there, there is the very same power to persuade inside the hearts of the people. And everything they do will persuade the other one of the goodness of God. God didn't come. We, we cannot have Christian Christianity from the shallowness of observing an external commandment. It must come from the riches and the depth of a mutual or a, a birth that takes place on account of a tranquilizing love. Otherwise it can never happen. It can never happen. Isn't God good? Amen. Faith comes by hearing. Now we can come and say, and the Bible says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this tree, be planted in the sea and it shall take place. So what God is actually saying, He's saying a little bit of the correct persuasion and how much I love man will cause the tree and the true context in, in Luke there is the tree of guilt. He will cause that to be planted into the sea. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. You know guilt can be a father. As God can be a father, guilt can also be a father. Fear can be a father. And that father can, I mean you can do many good things in the church. But obligation can be a father, guilt, all those kind of things. But what about just having the real thing? What about just having the real deal? I've come to a place where I said, God, I'm not interested in working up faith. I'm not interested in claiming five scriptures and trying to quote them and those kind of things. I'm interested in actually coming to a place where my heart really believes you. And I want to say, if I could have worked it up, I would have, but I can't. You win my heart. I want to say I'm available. You win my heart. Amen. Glory to God. Yes. Amen. Yes. I said to my son today, he's, he's doing an engineering course, and it's very difficult, some of these, the, 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 these subjects, and he struggles with them. And um, is, 
and, and, and he, he, he was going, I can see he's going through a hard time, and he found a sponsorship, and this sponsorship works like this, if you fail one subject, you, you lose everything. So man, you don't have room to misunderstand one equation. You need to know them. And he's under that pressure. You know, and, and, and I say to him, son, you need to give this over to the Lord. I, I phoned him today. He said, dad, I'm trying to give it over to the Lord, but I can't. I said to him, you know what you do in that case? You tell God that. And you say, God, inside my heart, there's not enough evidence of your goodness that would allow my heart doesn't want to put it in your hands. My heart doesn't see you as good enough. That's why I cannot put it in your hands. Otherwise, my heart would have automatically done that. But I want to say to you, God, persuade my heart that I can, because it's a sin that I am stressing like this, not a sin towards you. It's a sin that I'm so tortured by fear. Here's my heart. Win my heart. That's what I told him. Just thank you, Dad. I told him, even if you fail, I want to tell you, your dad's there with you. Yeah. You're not going to hear anything out of my mouth of you bad or anything. I'm there with you. And you know where that power comes from? It is not me deciding to be a dad like that. It is he that has persuaded my heart. And through that persuasion, his life is born in me. Yeah. Because I didn't grow up in an atmosphere where if you don't do well in university, you know, then everything is still okay. Oh, I didn't grow up in that. Now, Father, I want to thank you for your kindness. And thank you that you've come to persuade our hearts of your love. And that you've come to bring forth faith in us. Thank you, Lord, that we don't even have to be ashamed when we are at a place where we feel we've got weak faith. But that we can see it as the, the windows of opportunity where we can go and sit back and fully see you come and bring forth faith in us. Lord, I thank you that your gospel, the message that can produce faith, the message of our acceptance, the message of our union, the message of how you are not an angry God, the message of how you are friendly. Lord, how can, we, how can you make friends if you're not friendly? Thank you that you are friendly. You smile. You embrace man. You were a friend of sinners when you walked the earth. You've demonstrated the voice of the Father when you came up out of that water. You've demonstrated the love of the Father when you even carried so much sin that you were called cursed, hanging on that tree. And then after all of that dying, in all of that sin which were ours, Father... You raised Jesus up without sin, without death. What a voice, what a word towards us. And as we see this truth, it's starting to win our hearts, Lord. And thank you that you have never given up on man. Thank you, Lord, that false teaching and people that has gone out in the world um, empowered by wrong motives and all those kind of things, that it will never outpower your love for man. Thank you, Lord, that as we even gather here, we don't gather in rebellion against anything, but we gather with a passion to be tranquilized by your goodness.